Have you tried my new favorite cocktail? Anytime Spritz is a new farm-to-can cocktail company that I've been drinking, well, anytime I want to drink. Their cocktails have a transparent ingredient list, and they're all farm-fresh products that I can pronounce and have in my kitchen, so I feel good about what alcohol I'm putting in my body. They use an organic vodka, because why aren't we all drinking organic alcohol, and 100% real fruits and herbs. I feel like there's a bartender in my house who just distilled fresh organic vodka and then picked fruit from a garden and made me a cocktail to go. If you want a cocktail that's flavorful, not too sweet, and fresh, try Anytime Spritz. Bring it to your next dinner party or for your next outdoor adventure. Find your closest store or order it online at www.anytimespritz.com. And I'll be wearing them on Halloween. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a costume yet? No, because no. you don't like Halloween. I hate Halloween. I felt so awkward yesterday because my doorman was like, ooh, I decorated it kind of spooky in here. And I was like, oh, it looks so good because he put up the stuff in the lobby. It's like Halloween is my favorite holiday. And he was like, damn, <laughs> Halloween's your favorite holiday? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And then I just had to go because I was like, well, now I feel weird. Bye. <laughs> he was like grossed out. <laughs> Halloween is my favorite holiday. I really hate Halloween. <laughs> I, I'm usually just a pop star. Two years ago, I was bad dancing Dua Lipa. Remember when she used to yes. dance really badly? And I got this green skirt that I was actually really excited to get because it reminded me of this Tom Ford green mini skirt from the early 2000s. Almost picture like, you know, the uh, Carrie Bradshaw green skirt that she wears with like the white button down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the Vivian it, Westwood like uh, bustle skirt. There you go. Yeah. But it reminds me of this green Tom Ford skirt. Okay. That must have been for Gucci in the yes. early 2000s. Yes. And so I was really excited to get it, but then it came and it looked like absolute crap. So I was Dua Lipa two years ago. <laughs> and then last year I was Harry Styles at his Grammy performance. Yeah, with the boa. With the boa. And then this year, I might be Troy Sivan. Oh, but wouldn't you need to bleach your hair? Doesn't he have bleach hair? Well, you know, I'm never actually like really going for it, but yeah. I really love the dance to one of the new videos and he pulls his little butt out with these like little boxer briefs at one point and it's so cute. If I could oh, shimmy around really all night pulling my pants down, I wouldn't be <laughs> mad about it. That's perfect. <laughs> no, I'm not here for Halloween because you know what? The performance of the daily trying to strike a costume that is both relevant and not too relevant and cool and on trend but not on trend exhausting i can't no not a day no. dedicated oh to God, that this is what we live for <laughs> I know. this is what we every live other for. day of the year but i can't i can't do it when it's not a performance of me oh but see this is like the super bowl for me of... but that's because you go scary yeah 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 i love scary you let so. go and go scary and i the horror of looking and fearing myself in the mirror <laughs> which is funny because i actually don't like scary things but i love one night of the year where everyone is just dressed scary. You know what? Maybe if I don't figure out a costume in time, I will actually take some inspiration from some of the characters we're going to speak about later. Yeah, I think you could be a really good Anna Karina. Thank you. <laughs> the problem is that I would be so fucking tempted to cut my bangs short again, and I'm not allowing myself to do that right now. I actually might be at perfect length for her Yeah, bangs. she's got long bangs. Let's ride. J'ai visité à Paris et donc maintenant <laughs> je suis le Anna Karina. Oh, you could be Jane Birkin's ghost as well. <gasps> Wait, that's, that's really good. good. <gasps> I like throw myself in the East River after getting into a fight with someone. Wow, this is actually so good. I think you have to do it. Guys, I'm going to be the ghost of Jane Birkin for Halloween. But if I'm not, don't hold me to it. <laughs> but, if, but, but if I'm not, but, you, don't worry about it. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Ruby Redstone. I'm a fashion historian, writer, and a dedicated ribbon collector. And I'm Natalie Brennan. I'm a podcast producer, a writer, and I could not get dressed this morning. Well, you look really cute, though, Thank so you. it's working. <laughs> it's one of the subtle tricks where I'm actually not in an outfit, and then I threw one thing on top of it to look like an outfit. Yeah. And this is Covered, a show about our favorite moments in fashion history. This week, the 17th century love lock. Did you see that tweet that was like, Sandy Liang is in the studio right now putting little bows in places we can't even imagine. (laughs) Yes, I saw it because you sent it to me. (laughs) But also, it couldn't be truer. Uh, My favorite from her most recent show is the little belly button ring bows because I really wish that I had a belly button ring. And then if I did, then I could put a bow there. It would be adorable. But whatever. It would be very cute with a belly button ring. I know multiple people who have like the little bra bow tattoo, you know, which I actually think is really cute. But I see a lot of wrist tattoos, um, or a lot of wrist bow tattoos. Really? Yeah, yeah, on the wrist a bow. Okay. Which I actually like. That's adorable. I kind of still want a bow tattoo even yeah, after me all these too. years. Yeah. Oh, it's worth saying, I think, that before we even get into bows today, that we're both big bow fans. We are both really big bow fans, and hair bows, and clothing bows, little accessory bows, anywhere they're putting a bow, we're eating it up. Yeah, and I I think it's something that I've um, struggled with given the trendiness of bows right now is that it's something that I love so much and has been a staple of my style since I was like 12. And today's topic actually comes courtesy of a listener who was begging my friend Annabelle saying, please, can you talk about what's happening to bows? Because as a dedicated bow girl, I'm really scared. And I was like, oh, of course, it's already on the list. So Annabelle, this one's for you. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah, she she is scared. Well, that's what's so funny about the like, we can't even imagine because it's like, it's so true. They're just, that is actually the thing that's sweet about this moment is they are, they really are reinventing the bow in some ways. Yeah. Um, did you see the piece in the cut about the Botox? I did see the piece in the cut about the Botox, and I think that you should give a little explanation to our listeners. Perfect. I was just looking up who wrote it. It's um, an article by Laura Pitcher that was in New York Magazine's The Cut, and she talks about you know this rising trend of designers and home crafters <laughs> adding a bow to anything and everything in sight, and she analyzes in terms of design the price difference of items that have bows on them versus items that don't. My personal favorite is these uh, Simone Rocha earrings that she features that are $245 without a bow. And then just with a plain red satin bow tied to it, nothing special, uh, $100 more. No, I'm obsessed. And could you put that bow on there yourself? You could put it on yourself. <laughs> you wouldn't even need to go buy anything. It's like leftover ribbon from Christmas. You no, could literally. just do it for free 99 at home. Which most of my best bows are. Yeah. I'm collecting bows left and right. Like little black bow I put on your candy bar. That, yeah. that can go somewhere. <laughs> exactly. I can put that on my earrings right now. Um, give me <laughs> another example of some of the price differentiations between a bow and not a bow. Another truly shocking one. She features the Sam Miu Miu logo t-shirt, which is $650 without the bow and $950 with a bow around the neck. No. This one. Okay. Obviously, the price is still ridiculous. I will say there's a little bit more gravitas to that. Um, just in that this is like a structured bow. It's more of a design feature on the shirt. Is it a design feature that's worth three hundred dollars? No. no, but but I see I see the purpose a tiny bit more. 
Maybe. Maybe. Or the best one is the one she finishes with, which is regular Balenciaga shoelaces, $15. Uh, earrings made of those shoelaces tied into a bow, $250. No. <laughs> so just get the shoelaces, I guess. Yeah. I think the statistics here are like so interesting. Um, Rachel Glicksberg, who is the Women's Fashion and New Initiatives lead at The Real Real, is quoted in the piece saying that the platform's average selling price for vintage items with bows in 2023 is 16% higher than for vintage without bows. Wow. I mean, it feels in an odd way reminiscent of, you know, the period tax, <laughs> which is just like, we're just taxing femininity now. But this one's kind of more of a, a choice choice feminism issue. One could say. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. you're a victim to a trend who's to say if that's a choice. But no, it is. The Botox cannot be... The Botox cannot be undermined. And when I say that I'm a journalist, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I say I'm an, an in- investigative journalist, the Botox is what I mean. Wow. And I kind of want to go through, I don't know how I would ever achieve this, but analyze my personal spending on things with bows on them. Oh, that would be good. It might be scary. Yeah, that would be scary. It's really funny. It like just shows how they really will weaponize any trend (laughs) against you because like with just a little bit of creativity, as we had said before, like you can save yourself a lot of money and also have something that no one else has. And it's really like very little creativity or skill that's kind of what cracks me up about the bow tax and then bows in general is people act like it's uh, I mean I agree because I think bows are beautiful and there's a reason that they've persisted for so long but um it doesn't even take special skill to tie a bow if you can tie your shoelaces you can do it you can definitely do it I feel like I'm in my second wave of uh, bow feminism (laughs) here today. I like had my first really big bow wave from 2017 to 2019. And that I think was more of the like really big black bow, even a velvet bow. That was really big for me then. Now I think since I'm experimenting with my femininity in different ways, I inch towards like the big bow in my hair less. Although I will say that now that my hair is super long, I really can't let go of the two braids with bows at the end uh, of each one's. It's very Molly American girl doll of me. She's a gay icon, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) My queen. (laughs) I didn't really know that until recently, but she's also the only American girl doll with a talent. What is her talent? Tap dancing. (laughs) I was like, being gay, it is a talent. (laughs) Um, Well, it's funny that you say that because what I wanted to talk about today is that even though bows feel so feminine to us now, in the past, they were actually super popular with men too. Okay, say no more. We must cover that. Let's cover it. Time to cover up. Time to cover up. Time to cover up. Good morning, girls. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the way you look. Now, I've heard it said that we women attach too much importance to our appearance, but that isn't true. After all, the way we look exerts so much influence on the way we feel and on the way other people feel about us that it really is very important. From the revival of a forgotten art to an art of particular appeal to the young woman of today and yet surprisingly neglected by them. The art of individual hair styling. position of the ribbon is revealing. And there's no reason why young styles like the ponytail sported by 17-year-old Jackie 
shouldn't be made into something quite distinctive by the use of simple accessories. A bow on the top of the head means that Anne Mitchell is out to get herself a man. Can be done at home using jewelry, handkerchiefs, and even bow ties to give that distinctive touch at little cost. A bow worn in the back means that Betty Dupree is not interested in men. When I was on my first TV show, we made a matching bow to go with every outfit, and it was like, you don't leave house without your bow. Bow worn on the right side. Becky Brown is deeply in love. And bow worn at the left is a signal and a challenge. It means Betty Cheney is going steady. They can be a symbol of being kind to one another. If I see a kid with a JoJo bow in, I can go sit with them because I know they'll be nice to me. Please remember that they are just really the trimming. Just like the icing on the cake. If the icing is very good, well that's fine. But if the cake itself isn't good, you'll soon lose interest in the icing. So let's start with the cake and come back to the trimmings later. Between the teller, her subject had no bread. Do you know what she said? Let them eat cake. That's such nonsense. I would never say that. Would never say that. Would never say that. Okay, tell me more about these ribbon-wearing men. Um, when I was looking into this, I was dying because there was this article that was like, the history of hair bows. And the first section was literally titled For the Boys. <laughs> yes. Um, we have to be a little bit specific here and say that we're only going to talk about hair bows today because otherwise we'll be here for hours. Bows on clothing are a totally different ball game, totally different like practical purposes. We're just talking about little decorative bows in your hair. Go off, scholar. Okay. And then I'll back up even further for one moment and just say that so much of our modern day bow culture is indebted to the medieval invention of the ribbon. Ribbon making likely dates back to the early Middle Ages when the invention of the horizontal loom allowed for the creation of more complex woven textiles. So after that happens, ribbons quickly become a sartorial trend pinned to clothing and woven into hairstyles. Chaucer himself notes the existence of ribbands, as he called them, um, as accessories in his work. And all throughout the Renaissance in Europe, we see painted evidence of people wearing ribbons all over themselves and using them as decoration. And at that point, men and women? Yes. But as the Renaissance came to a close, a more specific trend in ribbon-adorned hairstyles took hold, which is the love lock. It's literally the cutest name ever. I don't know what it means, but I do have a feeling that I will be a supporter. You're going to like it. <laughs> um, the love lock is a hairstyle that's worn almost exclusively by men in the late 16th and early 17th century. Essentially, love lock is a long strand of hair worn draped over the chest and tied with a bow. Occasionally, it would also be tied with a rose made out of ribbon, which feels maybe even more trendy of them now. Yeah. Carrie Bradshaw vibes. <laughs> I think in this last collection, there was even a, uh, along with Sandy Lang putting out a bunch of new bow hair ties, there was also a rose hair tie. Yes, I went and tried it on. It's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Love lock adjacent. <laughs> yes. I always think it's very funny when our current day points so exactly to history repeating itself. Me too. Um, but unlike today, the love lock was actually intended to show the wearer's romantic devotion to their beloved because you would wear the braid typically on your left side to draw attention towards your heart. No. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cute? No, I need to be love-locked <laughs> now. You do. 
of course, like most styles of pretty early history like that, the origins of this hairstyle are tenuous, and it's also believed that American settlers may have copied the Lovelock style from Native Americans, particularly the male members of the Powhatan tribe, who wore similar asymmetric braids, and they're very well documented for wearing these special braids. Um, Puritan leaders stamped this out pretty quickly in America because, you know, they hated anything that was remotely decorative or effeminate or expressive of emotion. They said it's frankly too cute. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I mean, we can come back to this another time, too, because I love Puritan style, but they weren't going for cute. No. They weren't even really going for pretty, which is cool of them, but... (laughs) Maybe. I will not let you defend the Puritans today, but tell me more about these love locks. Not their behavior, purely their their choice in uniform. And I just rewatched The Witch, which is my favorite movie about Puritan style. So it's on my mind. Hey, happy October to you. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Um, Okay, so the trend had already spread back to Britain and Europe by the time that Puritan leaders are stamping out in America. And in Europe, it actually becomes a fixture of royal courts. In fact, the love lock is sometimes called the bourbon lock because it became so popular in the bourbon courts of France. And then once it entered the courts, it was worn by both men and women. I'm like, once again, they must take anything reserved for the lovers and just absolutely stomp on it. I don't want like, I don't want these bows being worn in the courts. I want to wear my bow over my heart in an act of being overcome by just absolute pure desire well i think you actually would have liked the drama and the romance of (laughs) of the french royal courts like i think that would have been pretty satisfying to you but also you'll be happy to know that it doesn't just stay in the courts (laughs) um in the late 18th century we get some more loom innovations which you know i love that make bows even more trendy So the Dutch engine loom, which is developed around this time, allowed for six different types of ribbons to be produced simultaneously on a single loom. I'm like, this episode is sponsored by Big Loom. (laughs) (laughs) And then this industrial innovation spurs an unprecedented frenzy for ribbon of all kinds which is really, really apparent in the styles of Rococo France. I mean, you can see evidence of it everywhere. People were wearing bows from the very tops of their wigs down to the toes of their shoes. Um, Also, just to quickly interrupt here, but every time that Ruby is going to say Rococo, which in this episode might be often, you can instead uh, say to yourself, Marie Antoinette, or like theatrical ornamental, just like picture the most French room you could ever picture and you'll be good. Yeah. Not every stereotype about Marie Antoinette is true, but it's safe to say that she really, really loved bows. And when Ruby and I say that we've never watched a movie before, we absolutely do not mean Sofia Coppola's 2006 Marie Antoinette, because that movie we love a whole lot. (laughs) Yes, we do. Kirsten Dunst has uh, this ribbon just tied around her neck for a lot of the movie in a very simple bow, which is actually... So adorable. I need to start doing that ASAP. But uh, some film critics might even say that's a little act of foreshadowing. I would agree. And speaking of the fall of the French monarchy, um, ribbons remained a popular accessory after Marie Antoinette, even amongst those who had most vehemently opposed the Rococo style. 
So what you're saying is that even those who really did not have a place within the like ornamental Rococo style, even after the fall of the French Revolution, they were down with the bows. They were like, these bows stay. Yeah, we kept bows. As everyone, everyone kept bows across the board. I mean, I, you know, it's hard not to make everyone. a sweeping statement like that. Also, if you were a peasant tilling the fields, you probably didn't have a lot of time to sure. decorate your hair with bows before and that wouldn't really change. But <laughs> sounds to me like bows were the great unionizing force. Yeah. The post-Rococo period is full of looks. Even women who were decidedly against the courts of Marie Antoinette wore these Regency-era dresses. We've talked about that a little bit in our Naked Dress episode. Um, And then they would top these sort of sheer, more simple dresses with bonnets that were bedecked in bows and flowers made from ribbon. If you love Jane Austen, you'll probably know that lots of action can take place at a haberdashery while you're buying bows for your bonnet. And shameless promotion, but if you read my newsletter, Old Fashioned, there are tons of images in last month's issue about just how crazy these 1830s bonnets could get. I have no idea what you just said, but it does sound like the girls are flirting and causing trouble while buying their bows and bonnets. And if that is true, then I love that for them. That's exactly what they're doing. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And it's unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess we could conceptualize it either way, but it's around this time that bows become more of a purely feminine thing. No more fancy bows for men. Oh, so that's after the French Revolution? Yeah. Well, that actually is not that surprising to me because I feel like they literally never let you have your rights and look hot. It's just too powerful. (laughs) It's true. It's actually part of this phenomenon that's sometimes called the great male renunciation. Not the GMR. (laughs) I love that as as the abbreviation. At the end of the 18th century, you get this event phenomenon called the great male renunciation which is that the idea of decorative expressive dress was given up by many public facing european men and loving fashion became more of the solely uh feminine pursuit damn okay Uh, the effects of the gmr are still plaguing us today yeah i would say that we really haven't bounced back from the great male renunciation it was kind of the end of super decorative fashion as a thing for men. And honestly, we haven't had that many innovations, even in male suiting since then. 200-year flop era. Yeah, that might just be like flop existence. That might just be flop existence, (laughs) flop continuum. Um, What was the justification, though, that like men needed to be focused on the enlightenment and the sciences? Yeah, so the Great Male Renunciation is rooted in enlightenment philosophies that are obviously deeply sexist. But it also makes me a little sad for men, which is a rare feeling, because they haven't really gotten to find their way back to fun clothes in over 200 years, like we said. But yeah, essentially, they um, they believe that they should be more focused on philosophy, politics, etc., and not as worried about their um, silly little external appearances. It's literally so annoying because like I am doing both every single day. That's like a false dichotomy. You can absolutely be stunting and and doing philosophy. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Like we're kidding, but it actually makes a lot of sense to me that in a period in which they wanted men to be focused more on intellectual pursuits at the same time, they are aligning that which is uh, no longer deemed necessary with the feminine. Yeah, exactly. And I think it sort of ends up giving us what a bit of what shapes our modern ideas of a bow is something kind of cutesy and infantilizing rather than 
just a way to hold your hair back or a way to show that you've got a girlfriend back in America, you know? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And that kind of takes us to the next period in our bow chapter, which is the Victorian and Edwardian eras, where hair bows are reserved predominantly for children. Like if you could conjure up an image of a Victorian girl in your head, she's probably got two braids with big bows on them. She's just like me. You're just like her. Okay, that's actually true. (laughs) I am just like her for real. Again, going off with this theory, the conflation of something that is now reserved for femininity then becoming something childish, I mean, say classique. Absolutely. It's always the feminine to childish pipeline. Yeah, like I said um, in our Mary Jane discussion, it's pretty rare for trends to move from children to adults. They usually go the opposite way. And we see that here. Grown women continued to wear bows sometimes too, though they would definitely be more demure than what we were seeing before. And they would also weave ribbons into their braids. By the end of the 1800s, a fashionable English or French woman's hat could contain a decadent 10 to 12 yards of ribbon, plus much more woven into her braids beneath it. That's a lot of ribbon. It's a lot. And ribbon was expensive. That's a lot, a lot <laughs> of ribbon. Yes. <laughs> You also get this really interesting phenomenon in French regional dress around this time, which is not as much of a widespread influence, but I do think it's cool to look at, which is that these big bows become a part of folk costumes. In Alsace-Lorraine, which is a region in northern France, women wore these massive black bows, um, which peaked in popularity in the early 1900s. I'm going to include a picture in the show notes because it's impossible to describe how big they are. They're really very... Lady Gaga-esque. No, these pictures really are something and it is worth checking out the link in our newsletter because whatever you're picturing, it is not as big (laughs) as the hair bow is in the photo Ruby has. It's kind of Halloween-y, honestly. Totally. Makes it a perfect thing to look at this week. Um, Unfortunately, like a lot of folk costumes, these looks have now currently been reappropriated by white nationalists. So they're not a fun fashion-y thing and very much not what you would expect from a bow, which I think it's important to always consider all angles of these sorts of trends. Why did white nationalists come for this? Um, Because they tend to enjoy anything that's related to traditional regional folk dress the first people who were in an area the original uh the good old times (laughs) the good old pure times exactly which uh in this case just so happened to feature these amazing bows but it's really sad for bummer for us yeah (laughs) okay but that is now right now they've been appropriated it wasn't back at that time no 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 they were still safe back then okay well then what happens next for the bows in the 1900s um, as per usual, Hollywood swoops in for kind of a PR rebrand and to make bows even trendier. And this time around, in the early 1900s, bows are a symbol of good old-fashioned American wholesomeness. Think about how heavily hair bows feature in The Wizard of Oz or Gone with the Wind and the brand of femininity that they represent in those movies. Very much this white American vision of perfect girlish innocence. They love good old-fashioned American girlish innocence. And it's like... A little bit funny just thinking back to the episode we did about naked dresses. We kind of go from this really, really raunchy version of Hollywood into um, archetypes of femininity and girlhood that were very uh, clean, scrubbed Uh, clean. Clean. (laughs) (laughs) Especially as we move towards the 50s, you know, you're starting to get a kind of, I would say, honestly, more limited view of femininity. 
That's why I actually think bows are at their best when they're being reimagined by French film stars of the same period. Like think about Anna Karina with her bright blue bow in her trench coat or Brigitte Bardot with a little black silk bow in her beehive. To me, that's like the platonic ideal of a bow. A little bit coy, a little bit lost in translation. Um, and surprise, surprise, I'm simping for Bridget Bardot again. Once again. <laughs> no, I do think that it is important to have like a bow direction or like a bow inspiration. And these photos that Ruby has that, again, are linked in the newsletter of the French inspiration uh, gives me a lot more inspiration than the bows that we're seeing today. And I am not surprised uh, that I'm less interested in any type of bow that is supposed to represent a uh, good old wholesome girlish <laughs> innocence. Yeah, and I actually think that talking through this history is helping me untangle why I don't love all the bows that are happening right now. It's because they feel directionless. Like, are they meant to be tongue-in-cheek? Are they meant to evoke youth? Are they referencing the bygone modesty of the Victorian era? (laughs) Maybe for you they are. (laughs) Yeah, for me they always are, but (laughs) it seems so reductive to me to say that just like bow equals girl, so I will stick them on stuff to make it more girly. Ruby and I have been thinking about this a lot, actually. I think we can't exactly pinpoint where the cultural turn towards girlish, coquette inspiration is coming from, or rather, if there is a bigger message behind it. My best shot at it is to say that it's kind of a bit of a backlash to like the girl boss culture that kind of plagued a couple of years ago of like pantsuit I don't know a a backlash somewhat to that culture and just kind of being like fuck it I do think something larger is happening here and there are a lot of jokes online right now about like just being a girl like I'm just a girl like don't I can't like don't bug me with that like I'm just a girl yeah and like girl math and and girl math and like all of this like obsession around like I don't know. It's something with burnout culture. That's all I that's as far as I can get is like it's something around some reclaiming of burnout culture and exhaustion. Yeah, I guess it's just like it doesn't even have anything to do with bows. We're just in the great decline of nuance. No, yeah, it's definitely a lack of nuance. And, you know, maybe it's too simplistic to try and ascribe any one meaning to what's happening right now. Yeah, maybe we need to like get through the entirety of the trend before we can assign it a full-on meaning. We won't even be able to know what it was until we're in the next one. Yeah, because, okay, well, that's actually, you know, that always gives me comfort because it's not like everyone was watching movies in the 50s and being like, oh, Judy Garland is America's sweetheart. I mean, they were saying that, but, but you know. But they probably weren't being like, the return to girlish innocence. Yeah, no, no. So that that's a bit comforting, actually. At least we're not in the great male renunciation. We've got terrible critical thinking skills, but uh, people of all genders can wear bows. That is true. But I mean, like, I think that more people should be wearing bows. I wish that I was seeing more men or non-binary people in bows. I think that it would be... I would like to see more bows. Yeah, I just convinced. Well, I didn't. I didn't even convince him. It was his idea. My husband wants to wear a bow in his hair for part of his Halloween costume, and I think Wait, he's going to like it. We inspired him. Yeah, well, we asked him last week if we could get him in a bow. Oh my god, you're so right. And uh-huh. then I was sketching out his costume last night, and he was like, "Can we put a bow in my hair?" And I was like, "Yeah, I love it." It was it my was idea. A, it was our idea, and he was <laughs> like, "If I was going to do it, I would want to be in a like." 
He was like, the outfit would have to be really right. I think he said a leather jacket might even be involved. Well, this is a fur coat, but okay. still. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> wow. Okay. So it was my idea. Yeah. Thank you. Always. <laughs> this is like, that's a conversation for another time too, but like relationships and intellectual property. Because I just listen to my parents argue all day about like, that was actually my idea. And I'm like, who cares? And now I'm like, it, well, it was, yeah, my, it was idea. my idea to put a bow <laughs> in your hair. <laughs> like, <laughs> But no, I want to see men like stop revolutionizing, bringing back J. Crew. I'm like, start bringing back the 18th century male decadence, like bring back the love law. Yes, we need it. As two professional internet searchers, we have found some perfect bows just for you. We've linked our recs in the show notes, or you can visit covered.substack.com. Before we head out, it's time for the accessory. Just like your favorite velvet black bow or Regency bonnet, right before we leave, we'll be adding on one more thing, just for fun. Okay, I have a question for you. If you had to guess, what do you think the one thing I would steal from your closet is? Um, uh, God, I don't know. Cause I don't like, think you'll get it. No, I'm picturing like maybe a molly goddard dress but no, that's just because i, I want already to take took that your goddard from... yeah yeah and i want yours so i feel like we're just switch we're just trading now <laughs> what are you taking from my closet i'm taking um i'm taking your i'm taking a very rare item from your closet that i've actually never seen on anyone except for you and i'm obsessed with them they're your red corral shoes that oh, have yeah. um straps that go all the way up the knee Dude, those shoes have actually become like the bane of my existence. Why? Because I'm like, why? You want someone to take them off of you? No, I I love them and they're so comfortable. It's because everyone wants them. And I don't know like the amount of messages I've got. I found, I wasn't even looking for it. TikTok served me up a TikTok being like, I saw a picture of this girl wearing these shoes in Italy and I have to find them. And it was me. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I just ordered them off the Corel website. Like that's it. To give a visual description of the shoes that we were talking about, if you've ever seen the Corel shoes, um, they're a pair of Mary Janes that have, they look like ballet flats, but they have three straps that go across your foot. Those are like the most popular ones. And then Rubies have straps that just continue going past the three all the way up her leg to her knee. And they are perfect. But they must have made such a limited amount because I've never seen them in anywhere else. I've never seen them in another color. I learned via this girl's TikTok. No. <laughs> what did you find <laughs> that, out? That they were made for some designers, like, uh, what do you call it? A collab? Yeah, it wasn't even a collab. They were made for, like, a, some small designer had a show, and Corella did a limited run of shoes for them. And you got a lucky pair. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Back in my shoe design days, we used to design all these Victorian fetish boots, and they're really hard to find. Uh. And especially, like, you just can't wear them now because most of them are really, really uncomfortable. And I was like, these are the closest shoes I've ever seen to Victorian fetish boots, which are these, like, really rare, super strappy boots. And so I was like, oh, instant cop. (laughs) Do you have to strap every single one? No, they have a zipper inside. Uh, I actually wish you did have to strap every single one. Only you. Because, yeah, I don't like a a zipper, even if it's hidden. Like, I hate, I hate when I see Doc Martens with the zipper. Only you would sit there, though. And you know what? Then you would be the only person who deserved those shoes because I would never have the patience to be sitting there and unbuckling (laughs) all of them. And every time someone DM'd you, then you could just be like – you don't have the patience for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and 
I feel so bad. I found one similar thing once. I found these Mew Mew boots on eBay and I literally shared them on, on story. my story being like, okay, babes, now's your chance. But they were like five times the price of the Corel boots. I think I got them on sale. They were like 200 euros. Maybe. That's not even what the normal Corel Kinas cost. I know. I don't even know what to set an alert for because the, I don't even know the name or the style of them. I might be having you go into your Gmail confirmations from Wait, 2018. I've actually never tried that. 18. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> so about these things often. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've only ever placed one order. So let's see. <laughs> you don't have Kinas? No. Yeah, I held out for a long time. Oh my God, there we go. Yeah, what are they called? They're called the Palmier Red Metallized Leather Boots. And yes, 200 euros with shipping. Ruby, what? That is literally the steal of the century. (laughs) Yeah. Corel shoes are famously very expensive. Wait, spell that name again. Everyone, Uh, listeners, close your ears. This is for me, (laughs) not you. Yeah, is this our accessory? Um, The Palmier, um, like the... Well, yeah, you got to know French for this one, yeah. babes. <laughs> I'm like, like the cookie? I actually don't know what it yeah, means. Yeah. Other than- okay, Corel Boots. Yeah. Okay, well, everyone wow. can uh, tune along as I set in a... I have never thought to look them up. You're a genius. That I'm your muse and I'm a genius. I can't stop <laughs> listening to OK Kaya these days. Oh, that's one of my favorite lines ever. Oh, to be both. Thanks for listening to Covered. Covered is hosted by me, Ruby Redstone. And hosted and produced by me, Natalie Brennan. Our artwork is by Gabriel Summer. Our music is by Aidan Noel. You can find me on Instagram at Ruby Redstone, and my newsletter, Old Fashioned, is available on Patreon. I am New Balenciaga on Instagram, and my newsletter, ISO, is on Substack. All of our links are in the show notes. Okay, I think we're all covered. We're all covered. All covered. All covered.